right here on Never Had It So Good. Where are they now? A look back at the athlete's journey, a walk down memory lane, all the way up to the present, a discussion about teammates, impact coaches, competition, and how their team prepared them for real life. We groove with it all. Host David Riley, Tim Moore, and Princess Cooper, live on www.NeverHadItSoGoodSportsRadio.com. All right, welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. It is Monday, and we have an exciting week ahead of us. And um, welcome, welcome in my co-host, Tim Moore, and also Duck Riley. I'm still getting back rested, Duck and Tim, um, from the birthday weekend. Um, I wanted to go see the, the Atlanta Braves play, and uh, Rev said, man, why do you want to go sit in that sun <laughs> and watch Lucifer <laughs> just run up and down? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, Rev is bad. Rev is bad. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta Braves. But um, thank you all for all the birthday wishes. I appreciate that. And Duck, when I saw that we had a guest on tonight that played for America's team, I was excited to get back to work. How about that, Duck? Oh, come on, Duck. Come on, Duck. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Come on, Doug. Uh, really? <laughs> look, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting on Tim to pray for us because <laughs> you had a rough weekend, man. We... <laughs> I'll be I'll be back for Bible study on Wednesday. <laughs> pray for myself. <laughs> Tim, before we bring him in here, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and, and bring in our guest here. Um, because, Tim, I want to ask you about the Jets. I, I really do. I want to see your thoughts about this whole Sean Payton and, and Nathaniel Hackett before we get started. Just because, you know, um, I think it's gotten a little out of hand. And, you know, if I were them, I wouldn't take anything back. But I, I do want to get your thoughts on, you know, on, on, on um, Nathaniel Hackett and then Aaron Rodgers now saying, you know, I want him to keep, you know, um, his name, Sean Payton, to keep Nathaniel Hackett's name out of his mouth. Your thoughts, but let me welcome in Mr. Penn. Mr. Penn, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. First, I want to talk to Duck. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Duck, would you happen to be a Redskins fan? No, no. That's only, look, that's only my brother-in-law. That's only. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. How you guys doing? Doing good, doing well. sir. Doing good, good, sir. You play for Virginia Tech and Dallas Cowboys. You can come on the show any night of the week. I heard you were a big-time fan of the Cowboys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And sometimes, Jerry, Jones make me not want to be, but I still am. And um, and congratulations. I, you know, I'm excited to have you on. But I want to ask everybody, and I'll start with you, Tim, your thoughts about Sean Payton and what's going on in the NFL and Nathaniel Hackett and what he did or did not do with the Broncos. Your thoughts, Tim, since you are the Jets fan here on the show. Hmm. Tim, I think you are muted. I sure was. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, I've been a, yeah, I've been a Jets fan since I was a kid, but um, uh, I think some of the hype that they're getting uh, before they have proved anything on the field is way overblown. Um, they had a good 
season last year with a bunch of young talent. Mm-hmm. I think they've improved the team. Uh, I am excited about them, but I'm not talking that Super Bowl of bust stuff that everybody else is talking. I think they, they haven't beaten anybody yet. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. As far as Nathaniel Hackett situation, I thought that was a bad hire to begin with. Uh, how how you hired that guy after you saw what happened in Denver a week later is is yeah. really sort of beyond me. Uh, and uh, while Sean Payton probably uh, broke the code a little bit, I don't think anything he said was wrong. Uh, you know, and he's left to clean that mess up. So I can understand him being frustrated. Uh, and I like a little trash talking too. So I wasn't all that upset by him. Okay, okay, Duck. Your your thoughts, and I like what Tim said. He he maybe broke the code a little bit, but I don't know if I would still stay quiet once Aaron Rodgers said, "I want you to keep," you know, <laughs> uh, you know. Okay, I would then definitely say something. Duck, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, and and coming from a guy, regardless of what Vance Ross talks about, <laughs> a non-trash talker <laughs> like like myself, <laughs> really. <laughs> so okay. I can connect what Vance Ross said, but anyway, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers did the right thing. You you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. pick up for your coach, uh, Chris. There's, there's no two ways about it. You know, you know, even though he might not, he might kind of agree with some things that Sean Payton was saying. But yeah, you gotta defend your coach, man, and you gotta move on from that stuff. I think Sean Payton, like like uh, Tim was saying, was frustrated. So. Hey, let's let's move let's move right along. Okay, Mr. Penn, you know, uh, give me your thoughts here, but I just don't see how Nathaniel Hackett can have the performance he had with the Broncos and then you know land a premier offensive coordinator job and not get any flack for for I don't know what he left at at the Broncos. Yeah, I agree with you, Doug. Aaron Rodgers should defend him, but I, I just don't see how he goes from one cushy job to the next and, and well, really I, not lose any integrity. Go okay, ahead. so so you have seen time and time again where this has happened. Do you, uh, <laughs> who who is the who is the Washington Redskins uh office coordinator now? Um Eric I couldn't tell you. Eric Enemy has been interviewing for a head coaching job since before twenty fifteen. Yeah. 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 His name has been on the list or he's interviewed since twenty fifteen. Yeah. And what does that tell you? One of the one of the best offensive minds we've seen in in a long time. That's that's not the walrus over there writing up all those plays because that's not what a head coach does in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. That's why you pay offense coordinator three million dollars, four million dollars. You don't you don't pay four million dollars and then the head coach write the plays up. That's your job. That's why you get the title coordinator. As far as Sean Payton, Sean Payton got enough skins on the wall. He can say pretty much what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, when, when when you've done it, when you've done it, like my daddy used to always say, if you can back it up, it's not bragging. You just stay back. <laughs> and and, that, and that's basically it. Uh, I agree. Someone said earlier that he should have never been hired at Denver in the first place. He should have never. There are African-American coaches who could coach rings around this kid and he 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 loses one job that he never should have got, and then gets a job that he never should have been. He should have been relegated to go back to college, get your stuff together, and move back up the ranks like that. Right. But it's yep. it's a coaching it's a coaching carousel. So once you get in and you see how things work, then you're gonna always find a job. 
even some even yeah. some of the even some of our, our black coaches, uh, Lovey and those guys, they once they got in, they didn't have a problem getting a job. It was just keeping mm-hmm. a head coaching job. John Payton, the Jets. I, I, just because you got Aaron Rodgers, don't make you a great team. You still got young That's guys right. who don't know how to who who have yet to learn how to win. I knew how to play football when I got in the league, but I didn't know how to win. I didn't know that in the third quarter, it's something that's got to change in you. You gotta, you gotta want to end this deal. And if you don't have that in you, can't nobody tell you. You got to learn that. That's part of the learning process. But the Jets are the Super Bowl. Did they <laughs> make the playoffs last year? No, no. <laughs> so you're going from not making the playoffs to winning the Super Bowl. And, and, yeah. and a competitive league like we have, no, that's not happening. That's not happening. That's that's <laughs> good. To, that's good for newspapers. It's good for sports talk shows. It's good for a lot of stuff. Aaron Rodgers gets the you know next contract. He'll get sixty million dollars. Uh, so I mean, I don't know. And they need to get rid. Of, I'm gonna just say this: they need to get rid of the salary cap. They just need to do that because it's, it's they're gonna have to do it anyway. The salaries are getting yeah. too big. You can you can have a guy taking up twenty percent, twenty eight, twenty nine percent of your salary cap. One guy. Yeah. I mean, he he be running for his life. Sorry to get off on that <laughs> one, yeah. But the Jets are gonna suck. The Cowboys are gonna be <laughs> a little better than mediocre this year. <laughs> I like him. I hope the Jets don't suck just for Tim's sake. But, no, uh, I don't. And think I Tim, I'm, Tim, I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> they, they, they're not going to be in the Super Bowl. But but think about the teams that win. They have a winning tradition. They know how to win. Right. They have people right. on the team. The Pittsburgh Steelers, notorious for winning. Uh, New England. Uh, the Cowboys, to a certain extent. Uh, Kansas City. KC, Kansas City. Uh, even Seattle, they've learned how to win. They took a, a ten-year-old, a ten-year veteran quarterback who had been shuffled all around the league, and he looked like uh-huh. he was an MVP candidate. He should have been. Well, he, <laughs> he just wanted to get the bag, and I, all I want to do is to do is get the bag, get the bag of money. Because let me let me tell you something that that will always be true. If I can write you a check for sixty million dollars a year for five years, guess how much money I got? Right. <laughs> The owners, yeah. they're, not, they're not hurting for money, and they're getting ready to get a new TV deal here in another year or so that's going to break the bank. So they're not going to be hurting for money. Okay, Doug, I, I know I got everybody off, off track here. Bring us back on track, and just because he's from West Virginia, Gino does not deserve oh, 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 wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's where, my fam- that's where our family is from. I, uh, yeah. I grew, I grew okay. up in Virginia. I did go to Virginia Tech. Uh, played there, played beside Bruce Smith for four years, uh, got drafted and uh, came down here to Texas and uh, pretty much never left. Went to Denver for a couple of years, but been here ever since. But, I mean, had a wonderful time playing. Got hurt like a lot of guys do. Is what happened. Yeah. But I yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoyed my time. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And shout out to Coach Glenn DeVoe who's listening in. Duck and Tim take over. Yeah, uh, 
Yes, great you know information you just put out. I want to come up to that. I want you to kind of tell me how you got started with with sports. Oh, okay. Um, well, my brothers weren't big into sports, but I had two older brothers. My dad was, was you know, boxing in the military, played football, baseball. And, and so if I wanted to play something, he encouraged me. And uh, I played flag football one year and then played tackle and started liking it and, you know, had all the attributes to playing uh, football, you know, long arms, light, long reach, you know, big, strong hands, you know, all the things that made made me, you know, what I was. And so that's how I really got started. Uh, I was playing all sports. And then uh, about my sophomore year in, uh, in high school, I just narrowed it down to two, football and track. Okay. Okay, your sophomore year, when did you realize that, Hmm. I possibly could, you know, get a scholarship out of this. Uh, one of my coaches, I was taking a. All my friends, when we were in the ninth grade, we took a. You had to take like six or seven vote, six vocational classes: auto mechanic, bricklaying, plumbing, all of that kind of stuff. And so, uh, at the end of my my fresh my freshman year, I got called to the gym. It was just me and the coach standing in the gym. I was like, I must be in a lot of trouble. And uh. <laughs> He said, "No." He said, "You can't take those classes anymore. I know your friends in the classes, and y'all like hanging out." He said, "But you can't take those classes anymore." He said, "You're headed for something bigger than than they could ever imagine." And uh, in my next year, you know, I I saw that that I could play, you know, and I could play with the big boys or you know whatever, and uh, and it just started, started to take off. And then my senior year it was just. I knew what I was doing. I knew the teams we played, and you know, I just went on a on a rampage. No, uh, I just I, I felt that was my groove. Uh, I was gifted, fast enough, big enough, strong enough to to do what I do what I did, and so I uh, I gravitated to football, and uh, it it paid off. Paid off. Okay, now your senior year. Being recruited, where were some of the schools, and how did you end up at? Uh, I can't, even, I can't, even, I can't even say the name of the school, but anyway, how did you end up there? Okay, so my senior year, first letter I ever got was from the University of Miami, and I was laughing with somebody the other day. I said, "Man, I could have been sitting on the beach," but I took one recruiting visit, and I don't know how many you got that year. I think you got like three or four that when I was coming out. And uh, I took one recruiting visit, and they did a really good job recruiting my mother. I mean, they came to my house a couple of times, and I'd walk in. They'd be sitting down in the living room, you know, black houses. You sit in the only people sit in the living room is the pastor, the insurance man, and uh, <laughs> any other government official. But nobody else sit in the living room because she had that plastic on stuff, and you didn't want to mess that up. And plus, mama beat the brakes off of you if you messed that up. But I'd come in, and they'd be sitting there having coffee. And he was promising my mom stuff he wasn't going to give me, like laundry money and stuff like that. I brought my laundry home the first time. I thought they gave you laundry money for that. I said, no, that was recruiting for you, Mama. But uh, <laughs> they they recruited me. I went on one visit. I figured I could I could play on national TV. I could be an hour and a half from home. And, uh, and I knew guys I was playing with, Bruce Smith, guys like that. We had played in an all-star game together, so. I was playing with some good guys, so I mean, I, I rolled the dice and said, 
what better place for me to be a Virginia boy than in Virginia? So that's what I did. Yeah, Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Same question. When did you realize that, hey, if possibly I could get drafted and play on the next level? Okay, so it kind of happened almost the same way. My freshman year, I didn't play a lot. Then my sophomore year, I played a bunch. And the guy in front of me, he was uh, two years in front of me. And so his senior year was my sophomore year. He said, I know you're going to get to play, he said, but this is my year. And so, you know, every time I got a chance to play, I was just trying to burn it up. And then my junior year, I started getting letters from professional teams. You know, uh, again, in my junior year, I started getting contacted from people. And I remember Gil Brandt called me. He said, don't have nothing to do with the USFL. And I was the number five pick overall for the USFL. But he called me and told me, he said, don't have nothing to do with them. And I would have ended up uh, on the generals, too. But uh, I started getting letters in my junior, at the end of my junior year and in my senior year. And uh, and then they they came and they had, like, you know, they have pro day like they had. It's not exactly like it is now. But, you know, you got 15 clubs there, and they're all watching you for the time. I mean, it's it's a real meat market type of thing. Uh I remember when I uh, went to the uh, Blue and Gray All-Star game and they had us come out there in gray shorts and half T-shirts and socks. It's like reminiscent of a slave auction. I guess that's the only way I can kind of put it, but, I mean, that's kind of what it was. The only thing they didn't do was come check our teeth. I mean, you know, they basically a horse auction. You know, let's see what we're getting. It's supposed to be thoroughbred uh, meat. Let's see. So that was that. And uh, I – I got drafted in January by the USFL, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, and Gil was telling me, he was like, don't mess with him, don't mess with him. I was like, well, yeah, you telling me don't mess with him, but I ain't got no guarantee on the other side of this deal. And so he just kept telling me don't mess with him. And then uh, draft day, he uh, he gave me a call. I know I'm segueing into your next question, but, yeah, draft day, he gave me another call. He, he was like uh, – <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just the, just the, the feeling, uh, you know. And I guess when you came out, ESPN was, you know, had, had taken off and was starting to do things. Yeah. What, what was the feeling for you and your family? Okay, so I was still at Tech. I decided to go ahead and stay at school. I was, I, I was hovering on resigning, so I'd go work out, get ready for the combine. But then when that passed, and then the draft came. And I'm sitting in my room. I'm going to go over to the football office and watch it for a little while, watch the first round, and I came back to my room. I was like, I'm just going to lay down because I didn't sleep last night. And uh, I get a phone call, and it's Gil Brent. And he said, well, Jesse, uh, and I'm looking at ESPN on on, on TV, and he's like, uh, so, Jesse, are we thinking about taking you in, uh, in the fifth round? I was like, well, good. I'm, you know, tired of waiting. That'll, that'll ease my mind. He said, no, look at the TV. And right then, they was announcing me as the, uh, the 44th pick uh, to the Dallas Cowboys in the second round. That's, and, you know, it was uh, called home, you know, everybody excited, everybody jumping up and down, screaming on the phone, you know. Uh, and I was a dad by that time, so, uh you know, had to make provisions for for her and that's a, that sort of thing. So it, w- it was an exciting time. I mean, you know, just think about 
if you started when you were eight years old and you worked your behind off to do something, one thing, and that's all you did was work your behind off for that one thing to to one day be rewarded with somebody saying you're in the top, you know, 10% of folks on the, on the earth that can do this. And so, uh, and to be drafted and be rewarded like that, I mean, it was, I mean, it's still, I still think about it and say, well, wow, that was, you know, no matter what your career looks like, if you get drafted like I did, I mean, you, Mike can never take that away from you. I mean, that's who you are. That's what people thought of. So, especially if you come and play and you play decent, people be like, well, yeah, that was a decent pick. Okay, Tim? Yeah, I am. Uh, I was excited when Doug told me that there was uh, somebody from Virginia Tech. I grew up in, <clears throat> in the Bluefield area, about 45 minutes uh, uh, west of uh, Blacksburg. So, mm-hmm. very familiar with uh, that uh, neck of the woods. And also, back during the time when you were coming up, Martinsville High School was dominating Virginia high school football. Uh, yep. Dennis Mahan, I think you were you were you were sandwiched between the Dennis Mahan era and the uh, uh, Henry Moore era. Um, talk to us a little bit about that tradition. You mean Sean Moore? Sean Moore, I meant yes. And, and you yes. know, the, you know, the weirdest thing is both of those guys are my cousins. Uh, Sean is, right? is my cousin on my daddy's side. My dad is Moore Penn Jones and Dennis Mahan. Uh, my mom was Mahan. So I knew, and when Dennis finished his career at Virginia I mean, at Martinsville, he was the second leading scorer in the history of high school football. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And so, Sports Illustrated you know, was uh, covered. Yeah. Yep. And so he, you know, we, we, we grew up watching that. And, uh, and actually, my junior year, we beat Southampton, who won the double-A state championship that year, and we beat right. Kay Springs, who was the run-up in the 3A championship that year. Our coach had a parade for us anyway. He said, y'all beat the state <laughs> champions. He said, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what else to do for y'all. I can't give you a trophy, but I can give you a parade. And, and yeah, I, I mean, we went, we went from 1970 till 19... We were well into our 80s before we lost a, a, a district game, a Piedmont district game. I mean, we averaged beating people 56 to 12 and stuff like that. I mean, my senior year, we beat a team 80 to nothing. I mean, we just – I mean, I didn't play but a quarter a quarter or so, and we just ate them alive. I mean, it was, it was one yeah. of those traditional schools where the coaches in the middle school – and the, the junior schools ran the same offense that the high school ran. So by the time you got to high school, you didn't have to learn nothing. You just had to do. You've been seeing yeah. the same trap series for for the last five years. I don't know why you think it's something different. 31 trap, 32 trap, fake 31, fake 32, running something else. All of it, same play. Quick pitch right, quick, same play. That's all we did, same thing. But, yeah, you know, you're we powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I, I remember those great teams, man. They were just outstanding. Now, you went on to Tech. You had some pretty successful teams at Tech your your last two years there. You went 9-2 and two and 83 and 8-4 and in and, uh, and 84, uh, went on mm-hmm. to the Independence Bowl. Um, you played uh, alongside uh, Milton Franklin, who I played against in high school a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Johnson. 
uh, who is now <laughs> a very I'll just I'll just say he's a very wealthy man and uh, is very familiar with the Curry family, and I'll leave that alone. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about that experience at Tech, and and uh, you know during the time when they were really formulating of what became a tradition there of, of winning. Okay, so this this lends itself to my faith. I got to Virginia Tech, and uh, we go to practice, the first couple of practices, and and I'm watching the guys who are in front of me on the depth chart, and I'm like, these guys couldn't play dead if you shot them. And y'all got them <laughs> playing in front of me. And so I called my mother, and I said, Mom, I said, come and get me. I said, this ain't going to work out because I can't, I can't do this. She said, no, no. She begged me and begged me. She said, I want you to do one thing, and I'll come and get you in the morning if you still feel the same way. She said, I want you to be specific and ask God exactly what you want him to do for you, and you just pray. And I laid there, and I prayed and cried and prayed and cried most of the night. And uh, two weeks later, I was uh, I was playing on national TV. Uh, somehow, you know, I made the traveling squad, uh, got out there, got in front of me, got hurt. It was like, Coach grabbed me and said, this is what I came down to Martinsville and got you for. Let's go. And that was it. And I, uh, and, and, and from that day on, I, that has been my, that's been my battle cry of faith that, you know, when I needed God the most, he showed up big and bold. Cause I go in the game and within two plays, the guy tried to throw a pass by me. If I, if I just looked the ball in, I could have went for about 60 yards for a touchdown. Went in front of me. I looked up too quick and missed it. But he ended up having a pretty decent game for, my first college game, and uh, it it was, you know, it's kind of hard to to replay those feelings. Uh, how you feel, you know, you're on top of the world. You you mm-hmm. you look at what what you can't do, but what God can do. God was in those meetings with them coaches saying who might get to travel, who might get to play, and who this and who that. I wouldn't, and so everybody mm-hmm. needs God in that room that they ain't in. Speaking for me. I like that. And that's what, and that's like what he that. did for me. That's what he did for me. I like that. Doug? Uh, Princess. Yeah, we're about out of time. Um, it's actually Princess, but um, I wanted to ask you. Okay, we'll go Mr. with Princess. Princess, Princess. Oh, I, I, mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I've been, um, I wanted to ask you about your, your, you being drafted and compare that to how the draft in the NFL goes now and how, how different that is. Because I think you said um, Brant called you and you were sitting at home, and is that how it went? You were waiting to know where you were going to go. And then talk about how the style of traveling from city to city and how the, the, the draft goes now. Okay, so I didn't go to the combine, so I had to go to individual teams. So flew to New York, okay. flew to the Jets, flew to Washington, flew to a couple other teams. Uh, they, uh, it's, it's physical. They're just checking, trying to make sure, you, you know, you're not broken up and they don't want to draft somebody who's already hurt. And so back then they had 12 rounds. They only have seven rounds now. And mm-hmm. you can tell who you – can, you can pretty much tell who's going to get drafted, who gets to go to the combine. Huh. You might have 10 or 12 stragglers <laughs> some, somewhere around, around here and there, but for the most part those 350 guys are the guys who get drafted. And so before you go to combine and try to improve your your spot, a lot of guys now are not even going to it. They're like, if you want to come see me, come see me. Uh, so it's different that way. I mean, you, you okay. have guys who are eight, ninth-round draft picks. You got to go back 
15, 20 years to, to hear a guy, he was an eighth-round draft pick or a ninth-round draft pick because they don't have them anymore. We had 12-round 12 12 draft picks when I was there. And so it, it was just they've had to scale it back because of the money, because they're paying so much money, and so they want to pay as few people as they can. So they the taxi squad, they've always had that, but now they're actually paying the guys money. And so it's, it, it changes. When you're in college, you do it for team spirit, you do it for this, you do it for that. But when you get to the pros, you're doing it because you got a, a $3,000 mortgage and $2,500 <laughs> worth of car payments and probably some child support and, you know, you're living like it's Thanksgiving, so, you know, you're balling out. And it takes money to do that. And if you're not wise with it, you end up broke. I've seen guys who didn't get drafted try to hang out with the drafted guys and the veterans and, and they would do little sneaky things like they'd go, we stay four, five, six hours at a place, and the bill is, you know, upwards of $4,000. And then he's like, we just split it equally. Well, them kids can't afford, can't afford that bill. That bill is, that bill is going to uh, stop a car payment or something for them because they don't make that kind of money. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just tough. You have to know your spot. And some of the smart guys like the NBA, they just use their endorsement money. And we didn't have wow. endorsements like that. Back then, Nike would give you some shoes and outfits. They weren't paying a whole lot of people. I, had, You know, I had a Converse uh, contract my first year, and then Nike the rest of the time I was there. And, you know, I had Nike outfits going going to town. I was dressed and impressed. I was getting a free advertisement on the field and all. We're going to have to put it there because we got another show coming up with, with Coach Chris Demarest and talking about recruiting. But, Jesse Tenn, it's been nice to get to know you. we got to get you back and talk some more oh, and, and just, as we get prepared for the college football and NFL season. You guys just give me a call. Let me know when you need me. I, I appreciate, appreciate that. You. Appreciate hey, you, Thank Jeff. you, guys. Y'all take right. care, man. It was good talking to y'all. Y'all have a great show. All right. All right thank you. you. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye That's bye. former West Virginia. Um, I'm sorry. Virginia Tech and also the Dallas Cowboys and excited to have him on. Duck and Timble, we'll reset here and get, get ready for Coach Demarest, okay? Okay. All right. Never had it so good sports talk radio. That was just a 10. Um, never had it so good. Where are they now? A, a great episode. Great interview. We'll be back in just about 30 seconds. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.